Welcome back to the Shula Bowl podcast. It is a small group. I don't even think two people counts as a group, but it is. We're the only, we're the only people left. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Throughout the season, we've lost everybody. But it is me, at resident FIU super fan, David Hondel, and I'm joined alongside Jake Elman, FAU fan and writer for the Palm Beach Post. Um, and we, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be, you know, it's, we're just going to kind of talk some talk about, you know, not really go into depth about the bowl game and the opponents because Jake and Eric are going to do a deep dive tomorrow, but we're just going to kind of get our th- overall thoughts on it. And then also talk a little bit about recruiting because it's a big week in recruiting. It's early signing day, or I guess early signing week because it's three days long. Right. Well, yeah, we're going to kind of just jump right in and. Jake, I kind of have a question because we've been talking a lot in the group chat and you definitely have some opinions about the Boca Bowl, which you, I don't believe you were on with us last week. So this is your chance to let your voice be heard about your opinions. Go for it. Yeah, it's not just the Boca Bowl. I think I've hit that point just as a college football fan where I'm really starting to say there are too many bowls. And I said this in the group chat two years ago when FAU was in the Boca Bowl, and this is not anything against FAU with the Boca Bowl. I want to make that clear now. But two years ago, it was the end to the Cinderella story. It felt like the epilogue of a movie. I've said before, I think that FAU's 2017 season would make a great, like, Bohemian Rhapsody or kind of like those docu-films. This bowl game feels like Aladdin 5, the fa- the joke that they made in Family Guy, where it's the straight-to-DVD movie. I am so just uninterested in this week, and I don't know how much of that is because Lane Kiffin is, isn't the coach anymore. Harrison Bryant, FAU star tight end, the AP All-American, may not play. We're recording this on Monday night, and I'm sure I'll get a little bit more excited throughout the week, but this is the first time in a while where it's an FAU game week and it's just kind of like, okay, um, can Saturday just please come? Well, yeah, the, I was actually going to ask. I, I've had a feeling that it probably has to do mainly with the fact that Lane is leaving. Um, but I was wondering, since you have that opinion, is that kind of an opinion that you've been hearing around from FAU fans in general or do you think it's just you? Well, FAU fans were upset at first that it was the Boca Bowl and that FAU didn't get to travel. And a couple of players said on Twitter, we want to travel. And I put a poll out there Monday night, you know, do you genuinely care about the 2019 Boca Bowl? And 77% of voters say yes, of course. So I think people are warming up to it. And it is a good bowl game. I think the Boca Bowl is a well-run event. Doug Mosley does a great job, him and his staff. I think it's the only non-college football playoff slash New Year's Six bowl game with two 10-win teams, FAU versus SMU. So this isn't the Boca Bowl two years ago where it's a great FAU team against Akron, I think, was seven and six at the time. So a middle-of-the-road MAC team. But the bowl game – Kind of like the conference championship two weeks ago, it just feels – the conference championship game felt secondary because you had all the rumors about where Lane Kiffin was going to go. This just feels like fifth on the list of everything between recruiting, Willie Taggart's here, Willie Taggart's going to build his staff, the Harrison Bryant stuff, and congrats to him on winning the Mackey. 
I said it last time. I do not think he should play in this game because I don't think he has anything left to prove. And he said on Joe Rose last week, and he said, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. But my teammates have said that they understand if I don't play. This just feels so like it doesn't feel like there's any stakes. If FAU wins, maybe they'll be ranked. I don't think that they will. I don't know. Well, David, David, at least for FIU, there's a little bit of stakes because if you win, you're seven and six. I yeah, just that, don't I just don't feel like there's much at stake here. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, so I'll touch on a couple of things. So I think that I, I was on the side that I can't obviously if I was an FAU player more as than a fan. Obviously a fan wants to travel. But I almost feel bad for the players because I was saying last week that, you know, going to a bowl game is, is obviously a huge accomplishment. But a lot of the fun part about going to a bowl game are all the festivities that surround the week itself. And then obviously the fact that you're traveling to a, a different stadium, playing in a, a stadium that neither one usually aren't the home game, <laughs> the home team, which right. is clear that, you know, they're kind of getting that home field advantage. So I feel like that atmosphere is fun. But looking at it the way that, you know, FAU is playing at home. So hopefully they can, you know, bring a nice crowd out there. Uh, I went to the conference championship and, and I mean, listen, I can't say much because, you know, FAU, FIU's uh, attendance isn't the best, but I was kind of shocked at how low it was. And I'm, I'm curious to see how many people show up for the bowl game. And then two, the fact that SMU is a very good matchup. Like it, that's a very good team. And, and if you do, if you are able to get that win, I think that helps the program itself going into next season. Because helps, like, helps FAU. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because one, we have we had a really great season, and then we capped it off by beating a ten-win team that was ranked. I don't know if they're still ranked, but they were ranked for a while. No, they're not ranked anymore. I think if FAU wins, I think it would be the first time they beat an FBS team that was ranked at one point that season which would be really cool and it'd be a really cool way and kind of a perfect way to end this season. Everything you said is accurate. I just, this is such a weird game. And I don't know, like I said, I don't know how much it was just because there's so much other stuff going on. Like two years ago, the early signing period was the day after the Boca Bowl. So it wasn't necessarily. Right. there, There was no kind of, I don't want to call it build up, but the game was the priority. This week, it feels like recruiting is the priority. And FAU got two really talented junior college kids this weekend that we'll talk about in a little bit. And we'll see what happens on Wednesday between Frank Gore Jr. What is he going to do? Anthony Romp, the quarterback, what are his plans? This bowl game, the one thing I will say that's good for FAU in terms of that they're staying home. Well, there's two good things. The first is, and I've said this before, you have so many kids from Broward and Dade, and we're getting into the season where people have to work a lot more, even with the holidays coming up. And my whole thing two years ago was you might have some parents in Broward and Dade and even Palm Beach County who might not be able to take off a couple of days and go travel. Now, or at least then, that was, I think, a 7.30 kick or a 7 o'clock kick. You get off of work at 5, you can make the drive up. Saturday, it's a Saturday, it's a 3.30 game, so hopefully they're not working. If you work a 9-to-5 Monday through Friday, there you go. (laughs) 
I don't know how I feel about it being a, on a Saturday at 3.30. It, good thing it's on ABC. That's great. More national exposure. But you're going up against an NFL triple header. You're going up against a couple other bowl games. And, well, we know what FAU's attendance has been. And I think that might be part of why they're not traveling. And I thought Tampa would be really good. But bowl projections are a crapshoot. I never understood the idea of let's send FAU – and I don't think this would ever happen, just the idea of putting in the bowl projections. Let's put FAU in the New Mexico Bowl. FAU fans don't travel to Boca. Why are they going to travel to New Mexico? Or why are they going to travel to Dallas? Now, if it's FAU Canes in Shreveport, maybe, but it's also Shreveport. No offense to people who live in Shreveport. I, I really I really wanted you guys to play the Canes, to be honest with you. But it's funny you say the projections are crap shoot because they absolutely are because – like, all the projections for FIU, none of them had us playing in the Camellia Bowl. Like, absolutely none of them. So, like, I don't know how they're, they're chosen. Um, I mean, New Mexico, funny enough, was one of our projections also. But, you know what, just kind of to switch it to the FIU side of things, I'm, I'm a little bit not more optimistic than you are. But for me, the, like, when I was asked, like, hey, are you happy that FIU is in the Camellia Bowl? You know, we're playing Arkansas State. It's in Montgomery, Alabama. It's not like the sexiest bowl game. But for me, the way that the season has gone, you know, it's been a roller coaster season, a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Right, I'm, right. I'm happy that we're in a bowl game, right? Uh, there was a, a point in time that I honestly, I didn't think we were going to make one. And then obviously, you know, we beat Miami and then we had Marshall on the ropes, you know. And so for me, I'm, I'm very, I'm just happy that we're, we're going to one. And the fans are too. The fans you know, they they were kind of upset throughout the season. It's gone up and down, but in the end of the day, everyone's just really happy because, you know, three straight bowl games is nothing to laugh at. That's like, that's hard to do, you know? And so I'm, I'm excited. And I think it's a matchup. That's a very winnable matchup for us uh, personally, but let's see how it goes. But yeah, both games are Saturday. And something you said that I didn't even realize that it didn't even click was that the NFL games are starting Saturday games this weekend. Right. Because of the holidays. And yeah. that's a, that, that's a good time slot for them. Honestly, no, get that Saturday triple header. There's a couple good games. I think the Ravens play and obviously Lamar Jackson from Boynton beach is killing it. So I know I said earlier, there's too many bowls and I still feel that way, but this is kind of where I give the too many bowls a pass because from afar, like, this is the type of game I'd be interested in because I think it'd be really cool if FIU finished 7-6 and six and they send the seniors off. The guys who like FAU were around for 3-9 and nine and the dark days, the Ron Turner days, the even emptier than the stadium is nowadays. Mm-hmm. The days when FIU actually beat FAU. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. No, that's a, that's a dark time for FAU. I've gone too far. But that, to me there's something at stake there. Yeah. And yes, winning the Boca Bowl trophy is a thing that, sure. I mean, I think that the players would love that and it's lots of cool photos, but FAU took care of business. They won the conference. FIU did something, I don't want to say almost as impressive because I think them beating Miami, even in the down year, is a different level of impressive than winning the conference. And yes, FIU fans, I just gave FIU credit for something. (laughs) Also, I forgot to tell you, 
the Marshall game, I think, was the first time because we were watching it in the press box for the FAU-USM game. I think that was the first time I've rooted for a team in the FAU press box. I was rooting for FIU, because, partly because it would have made my story a lot easier. FAU clinched the spawn the conference USA championship game before kickoff. Yeah, David, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, David, I mean, what do you think? Do you think that these bowl games that have the six and six teams, and even, I mean, we've seen it before where we've seen teams because of the APR that maybe sneak in at five and seven or even five and six, just depending on how things pan out, that there is a bit more excitement because you want them to finish over 500. I, yeah, I, I see both sides of the argument. The only thing that I will say, the reason I do like the amount of bowl games there are is because it gives a lot of chances to teams that, you know, wouldn't really get that opportunity to play in one. Right. I mean, FIU's before this season won eight games. I think eight games both times. Nine, nine. We won nine last year, but that was because of the bowl game. Right. And so, but there's a lot of teams that you know, like Charlotte, right? Char- this is their first time being bowl eligible. You know, maybe in a, in years past where there aren't enough bowls, that that might be a team that doesn't make one. So the only thing I, I see positive is that you know a lot of these programs, these young programs, smaller programs, get get this opportunity to play in a bowl game. And it's just really fun for the fans and the players to say, Hey, you know what? I'm playing a bowl game. So that's the only thing I can say for it. Um, like you, you won FIU made its first bowl game. I mean, we were six and six at the time. And so I, I don't like if there were not enough bowl games that we probably wouldn't have made it that year. So I, I think it's good for smaller programs like us. And, you know, they also get, what they get is a lot of um, publicity, right? Cause you, a lot of people are just, you know, uh, changing the channels. Like, oh, look, there's a bowl game on. Let me okay. check this team out. And sometimes it's the first time they've ever heard of a team. So I, 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 I like it, but I do get it that there's a lot of bowl games. So I guess it, it does have its negatives, but for me, I'm a, I'm a fan of it. I, I like to see these smaller programs. Like if I'm turning in on a, on a tuning in on a Monday and I say, Oh, look, look at this random game. I'm going to tune in because I just love football that much. I'm just going to watch anybody play. Yeah, a lot of these bowl games at this point, it's okay. I'm just going to say it. They're kind of background noise. And I think in the past when it was in the BCS era when you only had so many bowl games, it was more of an event. You know, take a game like the New Orleans Bowl, which FAU played in 2007. I don't remember if I watched that game. I'm sure I watched a little bit of it. But now – if I wasn't tied to FAU, I would say, oh, okay, this is on. This is, seems cool. Now, three bowl games in one day just seems like overkill. I remember this was this was still when the BCS was going on, but they used to have a bowl that I think they played at what used to be AT&T Park with the San Francisco Giants play. It was like the craft bowl, like the mac and cheese Mm-hmm. And it was right around New Year's, and it was like I'm just watching it, and this was almost ten years ago. It's just like had maybe two seven five or six and six teams, and it's just like snore. But that was probably FAU in 2008 with the Motor City Bowl against Central Michigan. So, are there too many bowls, or is it just there's too many six and six and seven and five teams? Teams are seven and five, but maybe played in a conference like the MAC where the competition isn't the best yeah no i can see it. and also you know it's funny even with the amount of bowl games that we have this year 
there was still there was still almost a scenario that there weren't even enough bowl eligible teams, which is actually kind of crazy to think about. Because right. going into that last that last week, there were a lot of teams on like on the cusp that you know there there could have been a chance that a five and five a five and seven team could have made it. So, but I I'm on I'm on the opinion that I I like the publicity that smaller schools get from these bowl games and just the experience that they get. So. I'm for it. I see the other side, but I'm I'm going to say that I like it. But with that, let's just kind of transition because, you know, obviously I said earlier, Jake and Eric are really going to deep dive into the bowl games and talk about SMU and Arkansas State in, in a deeper, deeper scenario than we're going to do right now. But we're going to kind of switch over to something that's going to happen in two days. Uh, it's going to – well, actually, when you're hearing this one day – it's the recruiting, the recruit, early signing week or day, and it starts on Wednesday and it goes until Friday. And I'm I'm excited for this because one, I think that the the Miami win. I'm curious to see if that Miami win translates into a big boost in recruiting uh, for FIU at least. And and so I'm curious to see. And I, and I've I've I was looking running down some of our early commits and. I've, there's a guy by the name of Jose Mirabal that I'm very excited about. He's an offensive guard, big guy who's only going to get bigger in college, right? 6'4", 285. You know he's going to attack on some pounds. Right. And so he, that something that, I mean, you, the O-line had, you know, started off a little rough, but, you know, really cleaned it up toward the end. And so getting a guy like this, you know, hopefully you're just kind of building that line. And another guy that jumps out to me is a guy named Kijon Owens. I hope I'm, I'm pronouncing that right. But he's from Central, and this would be the second year in a row that we get a Central running back because last year Flex Joseph was the number one recruiter in our class. And we're losing, obviously, Anthony Jones this year, and we're losing uh, Maxwell. So next year Flex Joseph is going to play a huge role, and, and hopefully Owens can get some experience. And so I'm, I'm, so, I, I'm so excited to see Flex Jones play. I'm so, I'm so excited because he, he played a couple games this year. and he, I mean, obviously we didn't need him because we have three – uh, three guys that you know get the rotation in so and it, obviously so he didn't get to see the field that much but when he came in he was pretty explosive man I'm, I'm so excited for him. he was obviously our best recruit last year so I'm excited to see what he can do next year and this is be our third because if I'm not mistaken maybe correct me if I'm wrong but I'm pretty sure Anthony Jones was also central um I think so that'd be three central running backs in the past like eight years that we get. So that's pretty nice. So I'm pretty excited. I want to see who's fully committed on Wednesday. It's going to be fun. So, but Jake, give me some guys on FAU that really stand out to you. By the way, Anthony Jones was from uh, Miami central. Yeah. I had a feeling. I had a feeling he was. So before I get to that, you said something that I find interesting, which is the Miami beating Miami, helping with recruiting and FIU took a hit today because Giovanni Davis, who holds an F an FAU offer, is a defensive end from Dr. Crop, decommitted. I mean, he's got a couple conference USA offers. He's also got offers from Buffalo and UConn. He had 29 and a half sacks and 41 tackles for loss this year. So we'll see what happens with him and FIU, but it's just interesting because you have him decommitting. You have a couple kids on the FAU side reopening their recruitment because Lane Kiffin is gone. Kevin Smith is gone. You have Frank Gore Jr. 
Now, who's still committed to FAU, maybe hinting that he's going to wind up at Southern Miss. And you have Willie Tagger in his first recruiting weekend getting two really high-profile junior college kids. They got Sebastian Dolcine, who played at Miramar, the guard. He started his career at Kentucky, and he was at Copiah Lincoln CC last year. And they got Alvin Dempsey, who was, a, who was a junior college defensive tackle, who actually FAU was really high on. Obviously, they still are, but they were really high on when Kiffin was still here. And then Kiffin left, so Dempsey committed to North Texas, and Tagger prioritized getting Dempsey, and they need depth at defensive line because all the defensive tackles in the two deep either graduate or their eligibility is up after Saturday. So two great gets by Taggart. Really excited to see both of these kids if they get on campus. Dempsey is signing Wednesday. He's going to be here a few weeks, so he'll practice with the team in spring. We don't know what the plan is for Dulcine yet. And we've seen it at both schools where you've had kids, especially junior college kids, some of these power five bounce backs, really talented, but they never qualify. FAU had it a couple years ago in Lane Kiffin's first class. Kids like Carson Leiden, who I'm always going to use as an example, started his career at Virginia Tech, an outside linebacker. And the hype from people in the media was, well, this guy, him and Aziz Alshire are going to be the best media combo. The best media combo. Aziz was a good interview. I don't know if he would have formed a good media combo. The best linebacker combo in Conference USA. Well, Leiden never qualified. The guy who stepped up, Rashad Smith, probably going to the NFL after this year. So things have a funny way of working out. How many of FIU's kids, uh, roughly, do you know are supposed to sign this week? I don't have an exact number. Um, but is it I, like, do you have like a rough percentage? Like, is it half? Is it a few? I think, I think it's a, I think it's half. I, I'm assuming it's, it's closer to half, maybe, maybe more. Um, but I, I, I don't know, uh, fully, but I do know that Bryn Renner, the DB's coach did tease this week on Twitter that there's a big time signing coming to FIU this week. So, um, I don't know exactly who, who it is. But I'm not going to, you know, say this for sure, but um, the first person who liked it was a four-star defensive tackle from Gulliver. So if that's him, that would be awesome. That would be great. But obviously that's not confirmed at all. That's just me <laughs> praying for the best off a of like on Twitter. But he did tease something big, and I th- I'm hoping, you know, I hope, I'm hoping a big chunk do sign early because, you know, that's always a good sign. Right. But somebody who's – I actually kind of want to get into this conversation really quick is that – because we had this conversation in the chat this week, and he's not a recruit. He is a transfer, and that is J.J. Holloman, who obviously didn't play this season. He's coming from Georgia. He's a wide receiver. And that's just – I mean, that's obviously not a recruit, but that's the biggest name that's starting at FIU next year. And, and we had this debate in the chat – and me and Eric are on the side that – and so is Shane. Shane, Shane had his, his, his opinions, but he, he agreed that going into next year, just athletically and, and skill-wise, he should be the best player on either of our rosters. In my opinion, he should be the best player in Conference USA just purely off the fact that, one, he was a, a wide receiver at Georgia – who it wasn't a guy who like rode the pine at all. He played and was going to be a starting wide receiver for the, I think the the fifth ranked team in the nation. So he should 
be the best player to be on the field at any point next season. Um, so that's obviously going to be a huge boost, obviously not a recruit, but you know, that's, that's massive. Yeah. I, I think that's a fair take. And we've seen it before at all the G five levels where you've had these kids transfer down or come back from a Juco. He transferred directly from Georgia, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. So right. Cause he sat out this year. So we'll see, obviously there's a lot of other variables. What's going to happen to quarterback. Um, does the replacer for James Morgan, whoever it is, play well? Because we don't know what's going to happen to quarterback for all. We know Butch may go after a grad transfer, just depending on who's available. I will say, talent-wise, I don't think you're wrong in saying right now he might be the best player on either roster just based on the talent, the athleticism, et cetera, et cetera. But FAU has some younger guys that, Played this year, guys like Malcolm Davidson, who Davidson, if he was healthy all year, he would be putting up numbers like what Motor had last year. He's so good. He's averaging seven yards a carry and 100 carries. And he missed two, I think he missed three and a half games or four games. So we'll see what happens. I think it's great for both schools, especially after some of those darker years when you were sending guys to the NFL, but you also had a lot of guys who were who were good, maybe not great, but you're seeing both of these programs adding great guys and guys who are transitioning into borderline elite guys. And even a couple guys who have been elite. Look at Harrison Bryant, the Mackey winner. He got to FAU, low raw. Played as a freshman, but not a ton because Charlie Partridge's staffs didn't use tight ends a lot in the passing game as receivers. Harrison Bryant, I think right now, is probably a day-two pick in the NFL draft. I, I actually completely agree with that. And, and speaking of the dark days, I, I'm, I go through the list of the possible recruits that are going to land at FIU and even FAU. And it's like I look at all that pretty much the majority of them – are three-star guys, right? Like that's back in the day, we would dream for like a two-star guy. You know what I mean? And now it's like three-star is the norm for us. So like this is it's just such a fun time to be a fan of either school because of the talent that we're able to attract now and the way that the the trajectory the trajectory of where the programs are going is massive. But I do have a quick question for you, uh Jake, that yes. So obviously you mentioned that FAU's got a lot of stud running backs and obviously most of them, if not all of them are young guys. Do you think that's, that sways Frank or junior at any point or, or any little bit, or do you think um, that that doesn't bother him? I don't know. I, it's so tough to predict with a lot of these kids just because now with the portal, you don't know who's going to jump in the portal and when you never know what's going to happen with injuries the example I'm going to keep using is James Charles, and he wasn't – so James Charles, I've raved about him on the podcast before, great FAU running back, not Devin Singletary, but just a guy who was buried for a few years, waited it out, and then Mulder declared for the draft, and Kareth declared for the draft, I can't talk. And James Charles spent all of spring camp as the number one running back, really opened the year as kind of the 1A with B.J. Emmons and – Larry McCammon then got in the mix and Chauncey Mason got in the mix, but James Charles has toughed it out. And I think that's something that might appeal to some guys is you never know what's going to happen in college football. 
it's not like at Alabama or Clemson where you see a lot of the guys transfer after year one because they kind of get sold. It, recruiting is all about selling. We want you to come here and you're going to be a star. Well, these guys get there and then maybe they are on scout teams as a freshman. Well, hey, I'm the number five tight end recruit in the country and I'm at Alabama. I'm going to transfer with JC or I'm going to transfer to another school where even if I have to sit for a year, I know I'm going to have a chance at finally being that superstar. So with Gore, I don't know. I, I think – Southern Miss would be good for him. I think FAU would be good for him too, but there's a lot of different variables. Losing Kevin Smith hurts. Losing Lane Kevin hurts. And if Frank Gore Jr. comes, great. If not, FAU has a lot of great young running backs. Charlie Wise Jr., the OC, said today that Kelvin Dean, the true freshman who's going to redshirt this year because of the four-game rule, has really stepped up the last couple months on scout team and he's like he said, him and Rasan Lewis, Ray Lewis, his son, who's a receiver, have done a hell of a job. So we'll see what happens with Gore. I think Gore and Rumpf was the quarterback from Michigan. What happens with those two will be really interesting. Rumpf hasn't decommitted, but he did open up his recruitment. And with Rumpf, that was one of those situations where, you know, he really honed in on FAU from the get-go. And what happens is – you hone in on those schools really early, you start to kind of burn your bridges because you're all FAU or you're all FIU. Well, if things change, especially on short notice, you got to figure things out. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, but kind of a, almost like a final question here. Who do you think from, you know, last year's recruiting class, do you think is going to make maybe not the, maybe a, either the biggest difference or who do you think has that breakout ability? Cause for FIU, we can't, we mentioned him earlier. I think flex Joseph has all the tangibles to be a stud running back. I'm excited to see him get more of a workload next year. It's just, it's going to be pretty much the backfield going to be him and Devonte price. So he's who I'm so excited for. Cause he has that explosive ability is that elusiveness and, I'm pumped to see him, and I think he can be a huge playmaker for us. But on the FAU side, who do you, who do you got? So I mentioned Kelvin Dean earlier. I think Larry McCammon is on the path to being really good. That's a guy who could play at the Power 5 level. He was banged up this year. Injuries happened, whatever. I'm going to give you two more guys. Ian Cole, who I thought would have gotten a ton of reps at outside receiver if he didn't tear his ACL in the second week of camp. He's 6'2", 200 pounds. He's going to be a star. And the other guy, I'm partial to my offensive lineman, man, Federico Marangas from Miami, Columbus. This kid survived the hurricane in Puerto Rico. He played football down there, but he played at Columbus last year. He signed with FAU. He's probably their center of the future. We'll see what happens with uh, Sebastian Dulcine at guard, and maybe if they move one of the other guards to center for next year, but Marangas, he has bulked up this year. He got here, and he looks, you know, he was a little raw, and that's the good thing of that first year is you spend it getting into college football shape. I was walking out of the Oxford Center this morning or early afternoon after practice. I didn't recognize him at first. He has bulked up. He looks good. He looks healthy healthy in terms of 
like he could really contribute at the college football level and be a difference maker. I'm going to give you one more. Trayvon Thomas from Miami Edison. He's somebody who I was really high on when they got him last year. And I don't know how much he's really progressed on the scout team this year, but he's somebody I want to keep my eye on come this spring. He's listed as a defensive lineman. He's a guy who profiles maybe as kind of a hybrid edge rusher, maybe line up a defensive end in some packages, linebackers and others like Layden McCarthy's done. You bring Glenn Spencer back next year, I think Trevon Thomas, if he's ready, he'd be the type of guy who really thrives in this scheme. Well, I mean, you threw out a bunch of names, so I feel bad. I almost have to throw another one in. But somebody go for it, go for it. <laughs> somebody who flex. I mean, well, flex. I think flex is going to be huge, and the reason I said flex is because you know we didn't get. Well, no, no, I, I no, I, no, I mean, I mean, flex <laughs> like, like you no know, flex on flex on me. <laughs> I know my, I know my slang. Keep this in. I know my slang. But I'm going to go with our guy who you know he obviously got a lot of playing time this year, and he was named. Conference USA, you know, uh, first team, all rookie team. And that's our offensive lineman, Sino Fanu. I really hope I'm pronouncing that right. If not, I'm so sorry. But he's a stud and he's a guy who's obviously only going to get, hopefully it gets better because now he has all that experience under his belt. And I'm so excited to see what he can do and, and be the leader on that offensive line for next year. So he's a guy to also be on the lookout for. But so it'd be him, Flex, and obviously J.J. Holloman for me. Cause that's, that's going to be huge. So hopefully that one pays out and, and yeah, you know, going into next year, it's another, another, another fun, fun season, hopefully, but I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves because we both have a bowl game this Saturday, which obviously is huge for both programs. So David, before we go and we go prepare for two Saturday bowl games, on the eve of the early signing period, what's the one position that you really want FIU to address, whether it's this week or before February? For me, I mean, I don't think I can take it down to one position because we're losing a lot of guys on defense. So I think hopefully I, I would hope to sign, you know, a big name uh, defensive tackle or, a, 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 you know, a really good linebacker. You know, anything that's going to help stop the run, because obviously that was our biggest issue this the past two years even. So any any positions that, you know, defensive line or linebacker that are going to help out there are going to be huge. And then, you know, in the secondary, our secondary was our, our, you know, our star point this year, but we're losing a lot of guys. So I think the defense as a whole has to be the priority. Mm-hmm. Um but I would say, yeah, defensive tackle or linebacker, just because obviously we're, we're also losing Sage this year, and that's going to be a big loss. So anywhere, anyone in the front seven, sign me up. I want to see what FA does at receiver, because they're losing D'Angelo Antoine. They're losing Pico Harrison. They're losing some depth guys, guys like Dante Cousar, James Brunson. John Mitchell is going to be – I think he's graduating soon, but he has a year left of eligibility. I mentioned Ian Cole. I want to see what they do, especially at outside receiver. Now, they have Justin McKithen, who's going to sign on Wednesday. Really fast guy. He likely profiles at the slot. Can you add one or two more guys, like 6'1", 6'2", that you can start developing to take over outside? 
And they tried doing that last year. They added the Ian and the Robinson, who's six four, two hundred. He's the guy who, who almost threw that touchdown on the wide receiver pass in the championship game, but he just overthrew his receiver. They have Jeffy Joseph, who's six two, the former Deerfield quarterback. Those are guys. Maybe they can contribute next year. James Charles, just going to keep going back to him. Nobody at this time last year saw him contributing. He was huge this year. But FAU, if you can add one or two outside guys, bigger guys, good hands, and you can get him here, especially if you get him here in time for spring. I don't know if that's realistic, but if you can get him here in time for summer to where they're here, there's no academic stuff. There's no any other stuff. They're here. They're ready to play. I think FAU will be in good shape. Yeah, awesome. Well, with that being said, we are going to call this an episode. Uh, We will be – well, not me. It will be Jake and Eric will be doing an in-depth analysis of the bowl games. So be on the lookout for that this week. Obviously, follow us on our Twitter handle, at ShulaBullPod. And obviously, while you're there, follow the network that's giving us this platform, Five Reasons Sports. So thank you guys for, you know, listening all season long. We've got another week of football and then, and then, yeah, we'll figure out what we're going to do some fun things in the off season recruiting wise and just, you know, some fun episodes. So thanks for sticking around and yeah. Well, yeah. What, what, Oh, go for it, Jake. We're going to, we're going uh, to review the new star. We're, we're going to review the new star Wars movie. Oh <laughs> yeah, wait, me. no, we're not. Cause I'm not saying it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did I say, did I say star Wars? What did I say? Star Wars? Star Wars. I'm I'm sick of it. I'm done. That's what we're gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about how mad these new movies make me. I'm I'm actually I'm Are you ready, David? I'm seeing it the premiere night and uh just everyone be on the lookout for me and Jake's movie podcast. Because <laughs> that has to happen. But, <laughs> but th- thank yeah. you all and uh we'll see you soon.